Season two of the Flourishing Therapreneur is brought to you by Thryzer. Thryzer provides therapists with an end-to-end, out-of-network billing support for their clients. Are you in private practice and want to support clients in getting reimbursed with their super bills and other out-of-network expenses, but don't have the bandwidth to do it alone? Look no further. Thryzer submits all of your insurance claims after every appointment to get faster reimbursement for your ideal clients. And even better, they handle all denials and slowdowns so that clients don't have to stress or contact insurance at all. Thryzer is affordable and seamless. It's absolutely free to sign up and the processing fee is only 3%. Partnering with Thryzer is an awesome way to make your private pay practice more accessible while positively improving your client experience, thus impacting your client retention and increasing your professionalism for your private practice. Better yet, the onboarding process is seamless and it's super easy to onboard clients and get started. So what are you waiting for? Check out the link in the show notes and use the code flourish to begin your three week free trial. Welcome to the flourishing therapreneur podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose, and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. Hi, Ariana, and welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast. So glad to have you here today. If you would like to take a moment and just share a little bit so the audience knows who you are, maybe your background, a little bit about your profession, that would be wonderful. Awesome. Yay. I'm Ariana Smith. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm based out of Colorado. I am a licensed professional counselor in Um, and also a copywriter and a copy coach. So I'm probably like a lot of your listeners, Claire, and a diehard (laughs) therapeneur, just get bored and start another business. Um, and so I, uh, have been a therapist for probably like seven or so years. I've lost track at this point. Um, and I also for copywriting, I, work specifically with therapists. That's really the folks that I really love working with around their copy. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, and that's really cool too. I have so many follow-up questions, but, um, (laughs) like it's, it's neat to know that you, cause sometimes we talk to people that maybe have the lens of copywriting, Mm -hmm. but they don't understand our field. Maybe they don't understand the roadblocks or the things that are like really conflicting as a therapist to step into in terms of showing up in a space or, 
describing what we do or engaging with yeah. our you know ideal clients. So I'm excited to to learn more. I'm wondering, could you kind of share a little bit about before we dig into the copy piece? Because today's you know conversation is going to be all about you know that and really answering questions and debunking some of the the stereotypes around that. Um, what what can we know about your clinical experience? Like, are you currently using your license? Are you yes. focusing fully on copywriting? Like, wh- what does your <laughs> life look like? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you ask that because as a copywriter, as a therapist, we're all about our credentials and our background. And then as a copywriter for therapists, we learned that there's so much more than just your credentials that you want on copy. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you're helping me shift to my therapist brain and talk more about that. Cause in my copy <laughs> brain, it's like, you know, your clients and we'll get to this, but like your clients want to learn about you as a person, not just the letters behind your name. But if I were to go into kind of my background and credentials and all of that, um, I, uh, am my like two diehard modalities that I love are internal family systems and EMDR. I'm a mm-hmm. diehard IFSer if I will. And then I've been in private practice full time since about 2017. Um, and so, yeah. And I, right now I probably see therapy clients about three days a week. And then I devote honestly, probably two to three days a week to my copywriting business, but ideally it's two, like about two days a week to my copywriting business. So I am, yeah, I am deep in the trenches of clinical work. Um, I still get the same you know, pesky mailers that everyone else does. It's like, how do they find me? I change my address. You're sign me, right? It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we have very similar, like even how you're describing, like, I mean, I'm not EMDR certified, but some of the pieces that you're talking about with your like schedule, even I'm like, that's totally me too. Mm-hmm. Like the three days a week clients, uh-huh. you know, the two to three days a week, your other entrepreneurial business. Um, yes. yeah, I, I always like to ask people like what full-time is to them or like, I'm always curious. So like, it's comforting to hear that like you're doing the three days a week clinical. Cause I think sometimes we have this like stereotype, like, Oh, you need to be in, you know, full-time is five days yeah. a week or certain number yeah. of clients. But I really feel like full-time is like what it is for you. Like it's so personal. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's comforting to hear that yeah. you're you know, pursuing two career paths that really complement each other. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of inform each other in separate ways. Um, and I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like it was a real game changer when I really devoted specific days to my clinical work and specific days to my entrepreneurial en- endeavor, if you will. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it, there's this feeling like when you are, when you do have this second business, you just want to squeeze it in to where mm-hmm. it can fit, but then you don't yeah. realize that that's actually hurting both businesses. Have you found this too? Yes. You're speaking. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I honestly feel like there's not very many people that get that. And maybe that's because mm-hmm. we are doing both, right? We have our clinical passion and business and also this other side of us that, really wants to lean into helping people in a different way. Um, yeah, yeah, I also got really clear on that too. Um, I noticed, especially if you're, you know, and we're going to talk about writing copy too, but like if I'm writing, you know, stuff for the course that I'm working on, or I actually just signed my first book deal, which is really exciting. So now I'm starting to write a book. (laughs) Congrats. Do you get to say what it's about? It's on body image, which is one of my specialties, body image and eating disorders. Oh, I know. So I'm excited for that too. But when I, I'm, now I'm distracting this. What I was going to say <laughs> was what's helpful is um, 
having separate days because I noticed when I would do the days where I'd be like, okay, I have four clients and then I'll, you know, work on this project and write this. And then I'll go back to clients or I would have this kind of makeshift schedule. I didn't feel good. Like I didn't like how I showed up with clients. I felt like my mind was kind of distracted or I wasn't as grounded or I didn't enjoy the work as much. And I noticed, especially with creative writing or anything like content building, I need that space to kind of like just dig deep and go for it and like get lost in what I'm working in instead of being like, I only have half an hour. Okay. Be creative now. (laughs) That doesn't work for me. So it's helpful to kind of delegate the days and kind of like time block in that, in that sense. Well, I mean, the way this can connect, well, as an aside, I'm also a haze therapist, health at every size for those who don't know that abbreviation. (laughs) And this also informs my copywriting business because on my screening question, I don't work with clients that promote weight loss products or diet culture, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is, I mean, we're kind of getting into bigger picture around your entrepreneurial endeavor, but like your clinical work gets to inform that. And for me, it's like, I can't, I, I don't want to work with, I don't want to write copy that's promoting diet culture, you know? Um, and back to what you said around how not batching was like really getting in the way of your creative process. Like Mm -hmm. we could probably say that like, what's good for your business is good for your copy and what's good for you is good for your copy. Yeah. You know, cause when you have those yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll yeah. take that. <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, like often the shifts that you make in your business and, and how you take care of yourself really show up in your copy. Cause your copy can mm-hmm. be a reflection of like how you're doing in this moment and how you're showing up fully and who you are as a human. And if you're feeling burnt out, if you're, you know, if you're feeling rushed or stressed about what you're writing, it's going to show up in your copy. It's going to feel forced or hurried or not sound like you. If you're, Mm -hmm. you know, squeezing this in between clients, as opposed to dedicating the separate time to really focus and go deep into it. Mm, Yeah. Fully, fully agree. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into it. I want to, you know, hear more. I want to, you know, start kind of unraveling your knowledge. Um, I'm curious if you could speak into, um, what are some of the common like struggles that you notice with therapists in terms of writing copy? Cause I know for me, like I have a background in like marketing and blogging and things like that. So I really enjoy mm-hmm. this, but I know a lot mm-hmm. of my colleagues don't. I know a lot of people I work with don't yeah. in terms of like <laughs> really not knowing how to like communicate who they are, their ideal yes. client, like just really feeling stuck. Um, so what do you notice in terms of struggles for therapists? Yeah. So there's a, there's a handful of them. I wish I could say there's only one or two, um, but it really comes down to unlearning or unconditioning what we we've been told in grad school. And then also even just what we've been told throughout our life and in our identities around Mm -hmm. how you're supposed to show up. Don't shine too bright. Don't hurt people's feelings. Don't be too loud. So the analogy that I like to give to bring compassion to the struggle is just acknowledging how much of our work as therapists we do behind walls, both legally, emotionally, and physically, right? We Mm -hmm. do our job behind physical closed doors, right? 
no one sees what we're doing um, unless we all remember being recorded in grad school, which I don't know about you. I blocked that out. Um, and then which, by the way, I was thinking <laughs> about how funny is it that like, I hated that process. And now I'm like recording my conversations and having people listen to it. I'm like, oh, the irony of what the podcast is, is kind of ironic, but I do remember absolutely hating that part of supervision. Yes. Yes. Right. Oh my gosh. And being recorded. And yeah. So, I mean, therapists, we tend to be drawn to this profession because, um, you know, we want to help. Right. And then just the nature of being a therapist. Yeah. So we're behind physical doors, right. Um, Mm -hmm. literally like our work is literally hidden from other people. We're behind emotional walls. I should have said walls. Like we're Mm -hmm. behind emotional walls, right? Like how often was it told to us around how to manage and limit self-disclosure? right? So there's this emotional wall that we have to put up as a clinician around, or we're, we've been told about what we have to put up around how much we can share about ourselves, right? And then mm-hmm. let's look at the legal walls that we're behind around confidentiality. So when you look at the construct of who we are as clinicians, it really, and the structure that we've been asked to work with, it makes sense that when we are being seen, it feels mm-hmm. fucking terrifying. Right. Yeah. And it almost feels like we're doing something quote unquote wrong because right. Like, is this, yes. yeah, this, I'm, I see you nodding and <laughs> <laughs> no, you're really speaking into it. I think there is this huge struggle of, um, you know, and I, I feel like I'm broken record. Cause I feel like I keep saying this in certain conversations I'm having, <laughs> but like, I really do feel like the, the way we're trained as clinicians is often the opposite of how marketing or, um, branding is taught, um, and how it's, you know, what's successful, the vulnerability piece, the, um, really owning certain pieces. And like that piece almost feels like icky as a therapist for some reason, or it feels like I'm doing something, like you said, I'm doing something wrong, or am I going to get in trouble? Is someone going to read this and report me? Like all these like really like, where did these thoughts come from? But yet almost every clinician I know has them. So I'm like, what, what is happening? (laughs) Well, and it's not irrational. I mean, if you're on social media as a therapist, you just see people swarm like flies when any anytime anyone ever makes an innocent or even an egregious mistake. Right. Mm. But I think this, like, this goes back to another big struggle I see for therapists around like, you know, what we taught in grad school is the opposite of like good marketing and I, and good copy. And one of those I think is specificity. So like a lot Mm -hmm. of therapists, they don't want to get too specific in their copy because they're afraid usually for two reasons, right? One is they're afraid of excluding anyone, right? As a clinician, we were taught work with everyone, right? And then now we're allowed to only work with people that we love working. Oh my gosh, does not commute, compute, like smoke coming out of my ears. Like this doesn't, (laughs) doesn't work. And then also underneath that fear of being too specific in their copy is a scarcity mindset of no one will call, right? But Claire, you and I both know that like, if you want to skyrocket your business specificity, getting specific as possible is going to do that. So that's another big struggle that I see therapists having to wrap their brain around it. Like, Oh wait, like what I learned in grad school and even some of my values as a clinician is kind of the opposite of what's needed for solid copywriting strategy. Yes. And also like with that too, I think there's that piece of, you know, like 
if you don't get that specific niche or you don't get clear on who you want to work with, you're building mm-hmm. a business you don't like. So what's the point of being a business owner? Right. Like if you're replicating right. patterns that you learned <laughs> in your clinical hours of like seeing the wrong fit, like feeling like really unsatisfied at the end of the day and like the the emotional and physical impact it is on taking on clients that aren't right for us, you know, the yeah. same is true. Like what you're talking about with your copy, where it's like, you, if you're a business owner, if we look at this as a business perspective versus mm-hmm. you're a therapist, you're a therapist, business owner. So what mm-hmm. business do you want to create? And if you have the ability to choose the clients that you work with, why would you not do that? Especially if they're going to be right. a good fit for you and you're going to love working even right. more versus right. saying yes right. to everybody being super general and then doing a disservice to your business and your burnout and your longevity and right. your overall satisfaction. Right. Right. I think it also, you know, uh, all of these things, like we kind of were conditioned to as like helpers and we were all, all of us were helpers even before we went to graduate school, right? Like mm-hmm. we were all helpers in some way. I think speaking of grad school, I think other challenges that a lot of therapists encounter, um, is, and I kind of touched on this in the beginning around like credentials and stuff is that we bring so much jargon to our copy of we, you know, (laughs) if without any guidance, we are going to naturally write our website like an academic paper, like a dissertation, Mm, our bio is going to feel like a resume and yeah, you wrote kick-ass research papers in grad school, but that skill is not actually what you want to bring to copywriting. You want to be more conversational and personable and as, as little jargon as possible. And that's really hard for therapists because I mean, that that's how we identify. That's like the language that we use to communicate about our clients and about our clinical work. It's like our secret language, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah. And you see that too, when you go to like networking events where people are like, what modality or what, you know, interventions, your favorite. And you're like, Oh my gosh. You know? Um, but I actually, it's it's funny that you're saying this because I literally, right before we got on this call, I was emailing someone that is launching a private practice and was like, can you look at my website and just give me some feedback. And that was the feedback that I gave her was like, I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> like the, the website yeah. was beautiful. She had worded things in a very human, but professional way. And yeah. like, I was kind of speaking into the piece of like, when you do just bullet points of these are my specialties or these are the topics, mm-hmm. like speak into the topics. So if it's like postpartum yeah. anxiety, say like, are you up at night? Um, you know, can't sleep. Like, do you notice that you have like intrusive thoughts that you'd be embarrassed to, to share with people mm-hmm. that are you're scared of, or like kind of speaking into the experience. Yeah. Cause that's what's going to like really resonate with that person. And they might not even know they have postpartum anxiety, but if they hear you describing what they're going through, they're like, I'm in, you yeah. get me, you're speaking yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and I would even say like with my copy brain on, I would even say intrusive thoughts is more of a clinical term, right? Totally. Like, yes. You and I as clinicians would say like, oh yeah, I'm totally having intrusive thoughts. But I find that most clients don't even Not understand what that is. Yeah. What that is so you're right. right. So I think, yeah, like, I guess my job is like, I'm a copywriter and a jargon detector um, <laughs> in what I do. Right. So it's right. It's just so natural. And just you and I, the way we speak to each other and the way we bring that in, but you're exactly right around like using the client language as opposed to your clinical language, because Mm -hmm. clients aren't coming to you saying, I think I might have postpartum OCD or postpartum anxiety. They're exactly what you're saying. They're saying, 
And even like the way they describe intrusive thoughts might show up differently too. Totally. And this, this kind of goes back to like, um, and I'm sure like, as we're talking about this and people are listening, we also have to like, talk about like what the internal struggles that therapists have writing copy, mm-hmm. which is usually like their inner critic imposter syndrome, perfectionism, overthinking, right? And I would say those are sometimes even bigger barriers to therapists than these external structures. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, yeah, there all of those bullet points of like imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. perfectionism, (laughs) those are the pieces that I highlight even for myself when I step into these spaces of, creating content or putting myself out there of like this fear of mm-hmm. it not being enough or fear of, um, yep. almost fear of success too. Like there's like all these yes. different pieces that kind of bleed into that. Yes. yes. I'm wondering if you could maybe speak into, cause I feel like we're kind of naming a lot of the struggle, which I think it's important yes. because that helps us kind of know how to grow and how to lean into some of those pieces. And I'm wondering yeah. if you can highlight what are some of the strengths? Like, what are the qualities that therapists mm-hmm. have that already make them really good at writing copy? Yeah. Um, so we can kind yeah. of encourage our audience to lean into that. I know. Too. Well, and that's a good segue as we, you know, as we talk about struggles with perfectionism and and our inner critics, and if we have writer writer's block or imposter syndrome, I think the biggest thing, like, if there is anything that your listeners took away from this conversation, it would be that. Therapists are actually uniquely equipped to write really powerful, moving copy. And when, and I'm sure some therapists, you know, listening might be like, well, prove it, Ari. Like, tell me, <laughs> like, tell me why. And I think that what we are, like, we already have what it takes as a clinician. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a clinician, you already have all the foundational things that you need in order to write good copy. So, for example, um, you know, copy is really about connection, right? Connecting human to human. It's just through a different modality than like what we're Mm -hmm. used to as clinicians. But like, if you think about what we do as therapists, if we don't have the ability, and if we're pulling in some jargon, right, to build rapport, to build that therapeutic alliance, we Mm -hmm. can't really make any progress with our clients, right? So therapists are professionals at creating connection. And in copy, you know, a lot of therapists are afraid of being too salesy, but what I say is like, you're not selling, you're just making a connection with your audience. Mm. That's all you have to do, right? Like the sale will come later. Your copy will sell itself if you just focus on making a connection with other people. And then I think also, you know, we get up, we get down on like how grad school made us write like robots, yeah. <laughs> but truly if you have gotten to this point that you have letters behind your name, you have written cohesive things, mm-hmm. you know, how to make a point, you, yeah. you know, how to write. And so if you can, if you can do that, then you already have all these skills to make, to write good copy because you know how to make a point, you know how to make it flow. Like, you know how to kind of assess for readability. So you already have these foundational skills from grad school. Um, I also would speak to copywriting, like really quality copy is also about guiding your reader or your audience through a journey. Right. And right. Once again, if we look at our job as clinicians, what more do we do than just meet someone 
like I'm getting really passionate about this, like meet someone where they're at, right? That's what we do is we meet someone where they're at. They fill out the intake paperwork. They tell us what we're struggling and we meet them where they're at and we hold them at that. And then once we get the information, we kind of guide them through their journey. We guide them through their process. And so if we see copy as just making a connection, guiding Mm. folks through a journey or a transformation, um, just another way to write cohesively, then it's like, wow, like you already have all like, and that's not, I actually have five reasons why therapists, and that's only the first three reasons that like (laughs) therapists are really equipped to write copy. Um, I don't know if you see that for your, for your clients too. And for the clinicians that you work with. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I think there is that piece of like remembering that like we are experts in terms of being curious in terms of helping people Mm -hmm. open up, helping them feel seen, validating their experiences. And so I think like even some of the pieces you've spoken to before of like the imposter syndrome or the perfectionism Mm -hmm. piece that does bleed into that of really kind of owning that we are good at this. And I think sometimes we don't Mm -hmm. let ourselves be good or be successful. Sometimes we kind of are almost afraid of shining too bright (laughs) or almost afraid of like, if I, you know, say I'm an expert in this, or if I own that this is my niche, or if I own that this is what I want to do, that people might judge me or that people might, you know, like Mm -hmm. the fear of what other clinicians might think, the fear of, there's so many fears. (laughs) There's so much there. Oh Oh, yeah. I mean, I recently wrote about this in my newsletter around just like all the haters that are around us and even haters that like love us right? Mm -hmm. Like even spouses or partners that, you know, you'd think they have an MBA based on all the opinions that they have about your business, right? (laughs) But they don't. Or or even like supervisors, even just like, you know, if your supervisor or mentor is more old school, you know, they have their opinions around what copy is supposed to look like. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of forces going against. And we also have to hold in mind, like therapists, everyone listening out there, like you yeah. are, all, you are already good at this, right? It's just a yeah. skill. But if you can, mm-hmm. if you can embrace the mindset that like you actually already have what it takes as a good clinician, then there yeah. can be an opening around like, oh, okay. And I think another, like another, you were talking about like personality, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I like to say, um, oh, I said this to you before we, we got on, we got on recording, but like one of my favorite sayings is like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be you. And mm-hmm. so if you can just, if you can just recognize, like you already have a PhD in your personality and yeah. it's just about allowing it to be on the page and playing mm-hmm. on the page and resting on the page with your personality, it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of the pressure off around like, okay, what should I write about myself? I, I have a hard time representing my t- myself too. And then I think another way that therapists kind of sell themselves short around how they're actually really equipped to write copy is that I don't know anyone more creative than therapists. Hmm. And, and here's my argument. Here's my like lawyer part coming on here of like making this argument for why therapists are creative. So, I mean, if you're like a a music therapist or an art therapist or like a dance or movement therapist, then like, yeah, you probably identify as creative, right? But what we have to acknowledge as clinicians um, is to understand that like creativity can happen in constraint. Have you ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. The yeah, around yeah. creativity happens in constraint. 
And once again, let's look at our jobs. We have 50, 60, 90 minutes to like make something happen for our client, right? We have the constraint of the time. We have the constraint of what's happening for them. And then we show up in so many creative ways to our clients. Like I think one example I did, there was one day I was like bringing in the periodic table of elements to one of my clients to... I know like, or, um, you know, one of my colleagues just shared a video about the movie Encanto and like the family systems happening in that movie Encanto. And I'm like, here, let's look at this video together. Like we're just, because Mm -hmm. we're in our little silos right behind our walls, we don't realize how much creative, how much creativity we actually bring to our profession. And that can be translated to our copy super easily. Yeah. And kind of to bounce off of that too, just that piece, like you're speaking into like the creativity in each session and also their creativity to like switch gears. Like when, if you really, I always tell my husband this, if I actually (laughs) told you what each hour was like each day, you like just the way that each session is so uniquely different and how we go from like one session to the next and we switch gears and we go from going into these deep, like dark places with people to like these really bright spaces. And like, mm-hmm. it just, it's, yeah, I'm really resonating with what you're saying about the creative piece because we are. Um, right. And I'm wondering and if we're just if, like, oh, oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh no. Do you have more to say about that? Cause I was going to transition us, but if you have something else, I'll edit that piece and then I mean, going. I just really, I just, yeah, I just really want to give kudos to therapists for how creative they are. Like, and I'm thinking of child therapists, play therapists, mm-hmm. adolescent therapists. Oh my gosh. The hardest population I worked with was adolescents because mm-hmm. talk about constraint around where they're at developmentally, all the mm-hmm. forces, right? So I don't know. I just, I, I don't think that we as therapists acknowledge how creative we actually are and how amazing that is for our, our clients. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now I'm wondering if we could kind of switch gears a little bit. I'm just aware of the time and I want to make sure we absorb absolutely everything we can from you. Um, what would you describe, um, kind of like the qualities of good copy or like, what can we take with us as we, you know, listen to this podcast and maybe we decide, okay, I'm going to spend some time working on copy today. What are qualities that we can lean into (laughs) and embody as we begin this process? You bet. Yeah. Basically you're asking like, okay, great. Ari. Uh, I get it. I get that we're creative and we have a lot of skills. So how do we do it? Um, and you know, we, with our time today, we might not be able to go super deep around this, but my, um, I think you're going to include a link to my, uh, my, my little freebie that actually goes into more detail around all of these things. Um, Mm -hmm. so if readers are really intrigued by some of the, I'm going to talk about the five C's of like kick-ass copy. If folks are really intrigued by this, then that would be a great thing for them to download because, um, it gives them a little bit more like detail and like actionable steps around how to go towards that. And I'm going to go towards that right now. So I think if I were just to distill down, you know, what makes really stellar copy, it comes down to having a clear message and clear words. And Mm -hmm. the way I would kind of describe that is I've kind of, there's a lot out there. Like if you take copywriting courses, you will see so many modules and information and just the way my brain kind of distilled it down into like the top qualities to look for is what I call the five C's of kick-ass copy. 
trademark, but not really. Um, and so they, the first one is clarity or like being clear. So once again, this goes down to being clear about your message. You know, Mm -hmm. we talked about this for specificity, like who you're working with. You mentioned this earlier too, around, um, the pain points around a client with postpartum anxiety, like, Okay. So what are they having intrusive thoughts? Are they worrying about bad things happening to their baby? You know, really getting clear around what their pain points are and their language. I think, so that kind of goes into the clear message piece. And then when we talk about clear words, uh, you know, therapists are so good at, um, like the analogy I like to give is like, uh, like, like tossing a ball, right? Like therapists Mm -hmm. are so good at saying like, you know, perhaps you might be feeling this, or I wonder if this is coming up for you. Right. But in the copywriting world, that ambiguous language, quite frankly, will hurt your copy. So Mm -hmm. if you read, um, and so often the first, and this is an actionable tip that listeners can take right now, go through their website right now and take out anything that is like, maybe chances are perhaps sometimes take it out and you're going to get already such a more clear and direct message. It might even feel a little aggressive. I'm not going to lie. Like if you're saying that internally, like, Ooh, that's like, that's like the like launch pad into it. And I feel like by taking it away, it's really direct instead of like just checking to see if it lands. It's like, this is what you're experiencing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This one brings up a lot for therapists. Cause like, I don't know, I don't want to tell them what they are. And it's like, listen, your copy is not your client. Like yeah. it is just a way to bring them in. Like, yeah. When you get them on the consult call, when you get them in the session, yeah. Bring in all of that curiosity language. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to copy, you have to be really clear because like, like imagine, like if we imagine, and this is not, I, I don't work with postpartum clients. That's yeah. not my specialty, but if we use that analogy, it's like, how relieving would it be for the client to read this and be like, Oh my gosh, this therapist sees me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They know exactly what I'm going through as opposed to having language that's like, well, maybe you're having this and this. And I wonder if this, like, what if that makes them yeah. second guess? themselves, you know, Mm. you and I could go on and on about this. Um, but that's the, that's the first C, which is clarity. The second one is conversational. This is my favorite one, to be honest. I love writing copy that's conversational, that has a lot of colloquialisms, mm-hmm. that brings in a lot, breaks a lot of grammar rules, right? Of mm-hmm. sentence fragments and using punctuation in really creative ways. So to boil this one down, it's all about just writing like you talk. Like if you like do not do not talk like the DSM, talk like a human (laughs) on your, on your page. Um, and really convert that conversational piece is like really assessed for jargon, um, Mm -hmm. as well, you know, like have someone look at it, either a copywriter or someone outside your field and say, Hey, like, is there some jargon here? Cause it slips in. It's like just part of our, our, our brain. Um, and then the third C is captivate. So this is, you know, so you've gotten clear on your messaging. You've gotten, you have more clear language. You're writing in a conversational tone and it's like, okay, how can you keep your reader's attention? How can you keep your audience's attention? And this is even, 
Um, and I don't know where this, I read this stat, but like, even when folks click on your website, I think it's, you have like three to five seconds to get their attention before they click away. Right. So some ideas that you can play around with this is like, for example, with your about page, as opposed Mm -hmm. to listing your credentials, what about telling a story? Right. Um, stories are so powerful to engage our Mm -hmm. attention, Um, and that could be a training that could be a topic in and of itself is like storytelling and copy, (laughs) but just like, yeah. So just like telling a story, I like to use what I call the curiosity gap. So Mm -hmm. if your copy is, you know, if you are, um, and this is, you know, if you are focusing on your headlines or your subject lines for emails, writing it in a way that it kind of piques their curiosity. So Mm -hmm. this is where like being a little bit more ambiguous can be helpful because it's, you know, let's say the subject title is like one thing you should know. Right. And then they're like, okay, well, what's the one thing I should know? And then, so then they click on it and they kind of (laughs) capture you in that way. Um, and then the, the fourth one I call is like connecting the dots. So I'm going to li- I'm going to liken this more back to what we do in session and how that okay. doesn't translate to copywriting. So in mm-hmm. session, when we go back to, um, you know, we kind of lob this ball to our clients around like, Hey, I, I wonder if this is happening for you. Could yeah. this be what's going on? We kind of, kind of want to observe our clients, um, support our clients in having the insight themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know that's what's powerful is when they come to the conclusions themselves. And in fact, you know, you hear probably with your colleague friends of like, you know, don't like, don't do the work for your client, like let totally. them do that. But here's where this shows up in copywriting is that actually you want to be obscenely clear about how mm-hmm. their pain and not obscene. I mean, unless that's part of your personality, but like, <laughs> Um, you want to be so clear that what you are working, like what you, your service connects and solves their pain point. Right. Mm -hmm. So in this, in the example with the mom with postpartum anxiety, you want to be explicitly clear how your services help with that. Um, and so that way, I mean, cause think about our clients when they go to the website, they're overwhelmed. They don't know what's right for them. Like it is still, it is hard to find a therapist. And so if you can be clear about connecting the dots for them, then that Mm -hmm. helps that takes them even one step closer to converting to a consult call or a client. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I talk a little bit more about a formula that you can use in that, in the um, document I was talking about. And then finally, um, the fifth C is concise, right? Which is not my strength speaking, but uh, it is the skill I have had in practice uh, in my copywriting. And so Mm -hmm. another saying I have is, you know, great copywriting isn't just about knowing what to write, but it's knowing what to cut out. Um, and so this is like, like a lot of writers have heard the phrase, like kill your darlings, you know, like you have to be willing to fall in love with your copy and simultaneously like cut it out if it's not working. Uh, it's so hard. Um, and, like, it's painful. I think especially when you've like yeah. spent time pouring your heart into it and you're like, but I like that sentence or I like that. I know. Oh my gosh. Oh, truly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. So there's a lot more that I can go to. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's helpful. I know for me, my personality type, I love steps. I love acronyms. I love, you know, formulas. So that resonates with me in terms of just like really getting a sense of what direction to go and kind of like a formula Mm -hmm. of sorts of like this can be a helpful model. And so I really appreciate you kind of giving us more thorough steps and like really 
going into each of those pieces. Um, and I know yeah. our time is about to wrap up, but I'm wondering, I yes. feel like there's still so many things I want to ask you in so many ways I want to <laughs> engage in this conversation, but I'm wondering if like, as a takeaway, like any encouragement you'd have to listeners, um, as they've listened to this, like what are ways that they can really just step into that creativity and, um, begin their journey of copywriting? Mm-hmm. I think the first is just giving yourself permission. Uh, it's really, and just identifying what, you know, cause creativity is always there. It's just like, and this is my IFSer coming out here. Like, you know, like any <laughs> IFS therapists are going to uh, res- like resonate with this concept of like, our creativity is always there. Um, it's just about what has blocked our access to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, bringing in more play, bringing in more joy. Um, I am a big proponent for taking tech resets. Like I regularly Ooh. have started a practice about once a month, turning off all electronics for 24 hours. Usually it's just me and Alexa. Um, you know, cause I don't <laughs> deny myself of music during that time. Um, and it's, and so I think there's a lot more we could talk about there, but it's just play yeah. joy. Um, just get, get away from the screen for a little bit, um, and get some rest. We're all pretty burnt out right now. I'm sure as the clinicians in a pandemic. Yeah, no, I love that. I know something that I don't know if I heard it. I probably heard it somewhere because I'm like, I don't think I made this up, but, um, something that I heard recently, I think was like create more than you consume. And that's like really been resonating with me of like, sometimes I think like it's easy when you're on social media, you're looking at other businesses, like you're kind of like consuming all of their ideas where then that kind of takes me into a different headspace that then I'm like comparing myself or then I'm like, Oh, but they wrote about this. Should I write about that? I don't really want to write about that. Like just this whole headspace where I'm like, instead, like kind of like what we talked about with our time blocking or a day blocking of like really just letting yourself have spaciousness. And I love that you spoke into the piece of play and rest. And that is Mm -hmm. definitely the heartbeat of the flourishing therapreneur is yes, let's build successful businesses. Yes. Let's um, you know, succeed and like flourish, but like without the piece that's tapping into your human piece of like nourishing Mm -hmm. yourself, connecting with yourself, it doesn't matter. Like none of that matters. And you're also going to be creating and giving out of, um, a spot of depletion, which is not rewarding. And that's not longevity in, you know, business. So exactly. Really appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's like what we talked about at the beginning, like what's good for you is probably good for your copy and what's good for you is probably good for your business. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So I know we need to wrap up, but how can people follow along? Where can they find you? I will include the links in the show notes, but what can they know about in terms of connecting with you for future? Um, I think if you want the most RE you can get, it would be, um, you know, opting into my newsletter. Um, and, I have that, you know, if you're intrigued by the five C's, then I have that, you know, that handout that talks more about that in detail and then even more detailed trainings around it too. So that is what I, that's like the best way to like get into my inner circle is like join my newsletter, opt into that. Um, and that's, you know, I have some exciting things coming this spring, And so they'll get to be the first to know around some of the new offerings that I have coming um, and how they can work with me that way and whatever help their copy needs. Like I want to help them as a clinician. I want to help them as a copywriter. Like Mm -hmm. there's just so much that can be unleashed that I want to help them do that. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ari, for being here. It's been such a pleasure spending time with you, learning from you. And I feel so encouraged by our conversation and I'm sure the audience does too. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I am always down to answer questions so they can even just hit me up, send me photos of their dog, ask coffee questions. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm all about it. Awesome. Thank you, Ari. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, Flourishing Therapreneurs. I wanted to hop on and share that our course Flourishing in Private Practice is coming spring 2022. If you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that perhaps is either wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss, this course will walk you through all the steps from the basics of setting up your business structure, creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples, templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. This course will be open for enrollment for two weeks in the spring, and then we'll close until the fall for a second round of enrollment. If this is you and you are wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our mailing list and to be the first to know when the doors open. We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice, available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.